0: you ever see those things where it's like, ah, I've been chatting with someone online and this is their profile picture. And then, you know, you see them in person and you scream in horror. Uh, you ever seen those kind of things? It, because that's the world we live in. It, it's, it's a facade. And when you meet someone, when you interact with someone who's genuine and sincere, who they are publicly is who they are privately. How they appear publicly is what you get when you're around them and it's just one-on-one and and no one else is there. There's a consistency in their life and it's so refreshing because we don't see that very often anymore. Now listen, to be sure, we all, all, all have inconsistencies in our lives. Things that uh, we try and hide, things that we don't want people to know about. Being inconsistent does not make you inauthentic. It does not mean that you're not being genuine. Indeed, inconsistencies can actually lead to greater authenticity. How? Because as you own things, as you're honest with things, as you begin to share things, I'm struggling in this area. I'm not the person I want to be. I know that, that some of this stuff uh, is, is tripping me up and I want to find help in that. The more you're honest with your inconsistencies, the more authentic you can become. And so we want to learn, and what we're going to see today in the book of James is that God, through the Holy Spirit, inspiring James to write this letter is trying to encourage people. When it comes to your Christian faith, when it comes to your spirituality, when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, authenticity, being genuine, is hugely important. Genuine spirituality is a huge theme throughout the Bible and specifically in this section of the book of James that we're going to look at. So if you were with us last week, we kicked off this series in the book of James and we're going to go through the entire book from chapter 1 to chapter 5 of verse by verse. So we're taking a section at a time. So we did the first half of chapter 1 on last Sunday and and today we're going to pick up where we left off and do the second half of chapter 1. So this is what it says. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good And perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Everyone say the word of truth. The word of God is hugely important to James. He brings it up over and over and over again. We're going to see today the word is central to what he's getting at in, in living a life of genuine spirituality gave us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So he starts this section and saying, don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't think that somehow this doesn't pertain to you. Because if you do, then you will miss the great truth that God wants to speak into your life. So don't think that somehow this doesn't matter to me. That somehow I'm above this. It'll lead to pride and arrogance and all kind of things that James actually touches on. So what we need to do is, is, is say, okay, God, every good and perfect gift comes from you. If I don't accept that, if I think somehow I'm responsible for the good things in my life, I've caused the good things in my life, I'm the source of those good things in my life, you will become an inauthentic Christian. You will become, an, you're you're spirituality will not be genuine. So in order to have a genuine spiritual faith that that is consistent, it starts by this, by realizing that God is the source of everything good in your life. That somehow you have to say, because of God, because of God, because of God, not my own ingenuity, not my own brilliance, it's God. God is the source of every good thing in my life because he loves me. He loves me so much that he, he gave his son to die so that I could become his child, his son, his daughter. Every good thing in my life, God is the source. If you lose that reality, you will lack spiritual authenticity. I guarantee it. I guarantee it because it becomes inward. It becomes prideful. It becomes arrogance. Like somehow you've gotten... Anywhere on your own. I've learned God's word. I, I've had people say this to me. It might have been you. Uh, I've been studying God's word for 48 years. Well, whoop you doo You may have been studying God's word for 48 years. But it's not because you're this great person. It's because God has given you every good and perfect gift. God, thank you that you've given me the ability to study your word. See him as the source of of everything that's the beginning of genuine spirituality it's not the end so James goes on he says my dear brothers and sisters take note of this if every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no shifting if that's true then be aware of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry boy I wish that wasn't in the Bible because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Everyone, everyone, everyone that says they are a follower of Jesus should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If genuine spirituality starts with acknowledging God as a source, it doesn't end there. It does not end there. What, what James is explaining to us what God wants us to understand is that as we acknowledge God as the source, it ought to produce change in us. It ought to shift some things in us. It ought to help us to grow and to become more mature. It ought to help us to, to all of a sudden look at how we're living, the type of person that we are, and say, I want to be a different type of person. So genuine spirituality gives us kind of a little checklist, for lack of a better term, a little test, a little uh, inventory, where you look and say, are these things evident in my life? Am I quick to listen? Am I slow to speak? Am I slow to become angry? You notice he doesn't say, if you want to know, do you have genuine spirituality in your life? There's some things you need to do. You need to read the Bible every day. You need to pray four times a day. You need to attend Bible study three times a week. It's not do all these things. It's become this type of person. The type of person who uh, has restraint in their words. Who's quick to listen. Who has learned by God's grace to, tamp- to uh, tamper down their anger. Authenticity is have you been this type of person, not have you done these type things. If you want to know, is my spiritual uh, life genuine and sincere? Don't tell me all the spiritual stuff that you do. Show me the type of person that you've become. And here's the thing. If your life is marked by those things, if you're becoming that type of person who's quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, remember the previous verses. If you have those things, it's not because of you. It's because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of Lights. So I'm becoming that type of person because the inner work of God inside of me, not because I'm this great person. It keeps us humble. It keeps us pliable in the hands of God, like, like clay in a potter's hands. So that's what, that's what God wants for us. But that's not our natural proclivity. Most of us are naturally bent to be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. That's how most of us are wired, you, I, I'm not listening to you I am forming my response to what you said that I don't like we're slow to we're slow to listen we're quick to speak we're quick to become angry to justify to defend to deflect to blame to point the finger to to somehow or other prove our point and to get into a debate now if you haven't seen that in our society I have uh a word for you. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. It is rampant around us. It's rampant outside the church and inside the church. Listen, there are Christians who ought to be ashamed, ashamed of some of the stuff they put on uh, the internet. There are Christians who ought to just, just fall down on their knees and say, God, forgive me for the way I spoke to that person. I wasn't quick to listen. I was quick to speak, and I was quick to get angry. Listen, that is our natural bent. It's how we're, uh, I think most of us, we, we approach life. And James says, do you want to be authentic? Do you want to be real? Do you want to have genuine spirituality? I don't care how many times you pray. I don't, know how, I don't care how much you read the word of God. I care the type of person you're becoming. Please hear me. Please hear me. Please hear me. Read the word of God. Pray. Attend Bible studies. Do all those things, but don't think that that's the mark of genuine spirituality. Those things ought to help the word of God transform your life. But those in and of themselves mean nothing. So when it comes to anger, because this is so important, James says, be slow to anger. When he's, what he's talking about, and if you read that in the Greek, if, if you read that, let each of you be... Uh, Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now, he wrote this in Greek in the original language. It doesn't say slow to become angry. It says, let them be slow to practice anger. Because when humans practice anger, it does not produce the righteousness of God. So the whole idea is latching on to, engaging in the practice of anger. But that's what we do so well. We're so good at finding something, getting angry about it. Because what we do is we say anger is something out there, not something in here. And so we find our anger and we actually defend it, justify it, rationalize it, and put a blue ribbon on it. You know what we call it? Righteous anger. I have righteous anger because of, well, okay, so therefore, it's okay. It's what they're doing out there. It's what's happened out there. It's this thing out there. And we don't take time to ask the hard questions, the deep questions, the penetrating questions of our own heart and our own life. Why is that anger in here? So it's about them. It's not about me. It's about the way they drive. It's about the, the lack of customer service in the world today. I mean, that customer service agent was just ridiculous. It's the law that was passed. It's the politician, it's the economic system. It's the who's in the White House, who's not in the White House. You name it, we find it and we say, I have a right to be angry. My car broke down, I have an unexpected bill. All these things and we never say, why am I so angry? Because I'm justified in it. I can rationalize it because look at all this stuff out here. But James says, be slow to... I know all the stuff that's going on out there. Remember last week we said he's writing to people who are being persecuted. They have every right to be angry. All this stuff is happening to them. He says, I know all this stuff is happening out here. Be slow to anger. Anger, anger, anger is something inside that needs to change, not something outside that needs to be fixed. Listen, we live in a world that says, watch for triggers. This triggered me. James says, I don't care about the triggers. I care about the heart. What's inside of you that's causing you to be so angry? What is it? Why is it there? How do I overcome this? Because there's always going to be stuff out there that will give you a rationalization and a justification for anger if you want to find it, it's there. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what side of the equation you're on, you'll find a reason to be angry. James says, look inside. So how do we do that? So now he starts, he starts making the shift. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. He talks about these three things. And and, and I think there's a reason why he kind of zeroes in on them. Because those three areas, um, I believe, are critical in um, either demonstrating genuine spirituality or realizing we don't. See, if you're not listening to someone, if you're slow to listen, you're not really caring about them. You're self-absorbed, you're self-centered, you're thinking about your response, If you're not listening to someone, that means you're not teachable. You don't want to receive correction because you're always right and they're always wrong. So you're not quick to listen. You're quick to speak. Now, some of you say, no, I'm not. Uh, Yes, you are. Because if you said, no, I'm not, and you said, but I didn't say it out loud, right? Sometimes you speak a lot in your head. See, some of you say, I don't don't speak a lot. Yeah, but if somebody could get into your thoughts, I mean, that... (laughs) So it's either outside or inside, but it's your own voice, your own thoughts, your own ideas, your own insights, your own beliefs, your own passions, your own preferences, and you never listen to someone else's perspective, thoughts, concerns, ideas, situations, because you're right, they're wrong. So it erodes empathy from your life, and it leads you to become angry. And you become angry over everything and anything that doesn't go the way you want. So when those things aren't in your life, being slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen, when those aren't evident in your life, it brings a lot of toxicity to your life. And then as a Christian, right, you're not slow to speak. You're not uh, slow to anger. You're not quick to listen. You're the opposite, You're slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to get angry. And then you go around to someone and say, oh, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus loves you. God wants to have a relationship with you and transform your life. And they're going, really? Because I don't see it in you. You're a fraud. You're not genuine. You're not real. You're not authentic. So before you go around talking about the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in their life, make sure God is moving in yours. So James says you've got these things, these outside things, and these are indicators of a genuine, sincere, spiritual uh, life and faith. Make sure they're uh, alive and indicators in your life, because if you don't, it's going to lead to all kind of issues. So what do we do about it? You say, okay, Okay, if that's not my natural bent, how do I do this? How do I begin to uh, make this change? Is it simply behavior modification? Change the outside. That, that's so much of how our world operates. Change the outside and the inside will follow. But the Bible is the exact opposite. The Bible tells us change the inside and the outside will follow. Address your inner world, your inner life, your inner thoughts, the, the things inside of you. Look at what's in you. To change what's outside of you. Don't worry about changing everything outside of you. So this is what James says. He talks about our inner world. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word of God which is planted in you. Which can save you. So what he's saying is your outer world. Your your desire to talk over people. Not to listen to them to have your anger dwarf any kindness that's inside of you. That, that natural way that you want to process things, if you want to change that, start by doing a deep internal cleaning out. Get rid of those things that are in your life that are morally filthy and that have evil intent. Because, he says, the word of God is planted in you. So it's, it's the picture of this, right? The word of God, the seed, Jesus tells a whole parable about this, right? The the sower plants a seed and the sower is the Holy Spirit and the seed is the word of God. So if the word of God is planted in you and you want it to grow and flourish and change your life, what you need to do is go pull out some weeds. You need to take out those things that are morally filthy and that have evil intent. You have to be willing to say, I have to make some change. So in other words, genuine spirituality, genuine outer change requires consistent inner work. Consistent. I mean, I'm not a gardener. I don't want to be a gardener. I don't pretend to be a gardener, but I have family members who think it's like fun. And what I've, <laughs> what I've learned is they have to tend to those garden beds regularly, consistently. You don't just plant it and go, hey, I'll get something sometime, maybe. Maybe. You've got to be diligent. You've got to be consistent if you want your life to grow and change. If you want your inner life to be changed so that your outer life is different, you've got to do some internal work, and you have to be consistent with it. and it, And it's ongoing, and it's 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 not a one off thing. But then James says, um, humbly accept. word of God. Humbly accept the word of God. The key key word there is humble, right? He says you need to humbly accept this because you've got all this evil that's prevalent. Now, please, I want to talk about that. It's easy when we say moral filth and evil intent to say pornography, lust of the eye, sexual sin, forget all that. I'm not saying that stuff's good. Forget about that. That's not what he's talking about. He's not not talking about that. But we just want to label it that and say that's, that is moral filth and evil intent. It is moral filth and evil intent. But there's so much more. It goes so much deeper than that. We have moral filth and evil intent that's prevalent in our lives. And we just take it in and take it in and take it in. We allow it into our inner world. And we wonder why our outer world is falling apart. So if you're listening to talk radio, reading... Uh, bloggers or listening to podcasts or watching youtube videos and it causes you to begin to view a whole swath of society as the villains that's that is moral filth listen if you're in the church and and you say it's them out there if they would just that's moral filth if you're, in the, if, if you're outside the church, or maybe you're in the church, but you say, the problem isn't out there. It's all these hypocritical Christians. That's moral filth. You're filling your mind with stuff that's divisive, that's inflammatory, that denigrates people. That's, that has evil intent. You need to stop. Say, that's not what God wants for me. Some of you need to turn off talk radio and certain news broadcasts because it's not helping you. It is eroding the fabric of society. It is inflaming anger and passion inside of you. And then all of a sudden you wonder, why can't we have civil discourse? Because you're not quick to listen. You've listened to all this other stuff. So now you can be quick to speak and have all the answers and have righteous anger. So it doesn't matter what side of the debate you're on. This is not the the point. The point is when certain laws may be passed, rulings may be handed down, both sides feel vindicated and justified in the anger and the outburst and the rage that they feel. And at some point we have to say, God, why is that in? Where is that coming from? If you read blogs, you uh, listen to influencers that t- that somehow lead you to uh, just just you know they over dramatize everything, conspiracy theorists, all that. Just stop, stop allowing your inner life to be polluted by those things. Because if you don't, if you don't, you will find yourself being angry all the time. So James. James says, remove those things from your life. Get rid of it and and humbly accept the word of God. Not pride. Listen, so many of us pridefully accept the word of God. I know what God's word says. Listen, you can say the opposite of humbly accepting is pridefully rejecting. I believe that it's it's pridefully accepting. I'm gonna pridefully accept the word of God. Okay, and you know what that will do for you? Nothing, 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 nothing. Because you're so proud, you're so... uh, understanding of the word of god that you're not going to allow it to teach you to penetrate your heart you're going to think it's about them they need this they need to change they need to accept they need to understand but it doesn't apply to me you can't pridefully accept the word of god it won't transform your life so you have to at some point say i'm going to humbly accept this i'm going to submit myself to the word of god The things I like, the things I don't like, the way it teaches, the way it instructs. I'm going to submit myself, humbly submit myself to the truth of God's word and apply it to my life. And if I'm deficit in those areas, God, help me by your grace to be changed. Because you give good and perfect gifts. But I don't want to be that person who uh, allows pride into my life. Because if I do, pride will allow you to convince yourself that the word of God does not apply to you. So you can't pridefully accept the word of God. You have to humbly look at it, analyze it, and say, God, where do I need to apply this to my life? Because James says, it can save you. Now, isn't that interesting? He's writing, as we talked about last week, he's writing to followers of Jesus. They've already, like, been saved. So what does he mean that it can save you? So what he's talking about is not the the faith of a first-time belief, repentance, Faith, uh, of sal- saving faith in that, in that sense. He's really talking about sustaining faith. What he's talking about is if the Word of God is planted in your life, you remove all this uh, pollutant from the, the world, all these moral filth and all this moral filth and things with evil intent. If you get that out, then the Word of God will begin to grow and flourish in your life. And it will begin to take root in every area of your life. And as that happens, it can keep you from falling away. The word of God can save you from falling away. It can save you. James didn't say, I guarantee you, it will. But it can. You still have a choice. You still have decisions. You still can decide to abandon it all and walk away. But as you remove all those things, as you pull the weeds out and the word of God that's planted in you goes deeper and deeper and deeper, it becomes harder and harder and harder to wander away. And then James goes on and says this, do not merely listen to the word of God, so deceive yourselves, do what it says. So that's what he's, he's getting at. Get all this stuff out of your life so that you can then receive the word of God planted in your life growing deep but that's not enough great the word of God's in there it can save you if you'll do what it says so do what it says anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like okay here's the idea you're there first thing in the morning, in the evening, you're going out, it doesn't matter, but there you are, and you are like, okay, looking at yourself. This isn't about like, oh, look at, I'm so good. Um, That's only Pastor Aaron who does that. Um, (laughs) No, you're looking, you're going, okay, you know, I want this hairstyle. I I want to, you know, get this uh, type of makeup. I want to, you know, Shave my beard a certain way. I want to wear this outfit when I go out, and you're, you're just thinking about it. And how am I gonna how am I gonna put this all together and at least pass as a human being? Um, you know, and and you, you've got this. You know, you're, you're just figuring it all out. And then you walk away, and 30 seconds later, you go, "Crap! What was I gonna wear again? What color's my hair?" Um, Uh, do I have a beard? Was I going to grow a beard? I don't know. What what was I going to do? I don't remember any of this. I don't remember what I was going to take. All this stuff that I looked at that I was going to apply to my life after I looked at it, I forgot because I got distracted by all the things around me. And so, great. You heard the word of God. You read the word of God. You studied the word of God. You did all this stuff with the word of God. But then you go, oh, yeah, I'm not going to actually do it because you know there's a lot of stuff going on that's more important that i'm more passionate about that i feel is is worth abandoning the word of god for i mean i know the word of god says to live this way to abstain from to live for to do this but this is really important I mean, this is, all of society hangs on this. So I'm going to abandon God's word for what is more important than God's word. So we get distracted and we don't apply it. And we wonder why God isn't moving in powerful ways. So James goes on, but whoever looks intently, studies, reads, ingests, takes in, uh, just loves God's word the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but they do it. They will be blessed in what they do. Now, don't throw off the word blessed as if, oh, you know, have a blessed day. When the Bible uses the word blessed, it carries with it a powerful idea. It's the whole idea of this, that a blessed life carries with it supernatural favor. A blessed life is marked in every way with supernatural favor. Now, you may not see that supernatural f- uh, favor in your life the way someone else does. One person may see that supernatural favor in, in their finances. Someone else may see it in their relationships. Another person may see it in their business. Someone else may see it in their health. Someone may see it in uh, the, the, just uh, their ability to connect with people and be an encouragement uh, to share their faith. It doesn't matter. It may not, it's not one size fits all supernatural favor. It's that your life will be marked by it. Why? Because you have read, studied, invested, ingested the word of God. But you haven't just forgotten what it says. You've allowed it to get, take root in your life. You've removed all that other stuff. And now it's growing deeper and deeper and deeper in your life. And it's changing you. That is, that is the key. It's not about... Did I read the Bible? Is it the Bible changing me? Not that I read the word. But is the word of God standing over me, informing my attitudes, my actions, how I speak, how I listen, how I respond. Is the word of God doing those things in my life? Because James says, if those things aren't indicators of your, in your life, And you say, I've read the word of God, then you're just like somebody who looked at it, said, This is a nifty idea. Wait, what was it again? Oh, yeah, that was, what, what, what? Um, You're not going to have that blessed life. But if you say, Okay, God, this is what your word says. So I ought to be quick to listen, to care, to hear other people's concerns, their hurts, things that they're wrestling with. I ought to be slow to speak and really hear their heart. And while I'm slow to speak, not only should I be listening to them, but I should be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of me because that's the amazing thing. As followers of Christ, we can listen to two things at once, their voice and God's. So I want to be quick to listen. What's their hurt? What's their heart? What, What are they saying? What are they wrestling with God? What would I say to that? What would you have me say to that? How would you have me respond to that? Be quick to listen. When you've heard them and you've heard God, and give a response. Because some of the stuff you hear might get your blood boiling. Some of the stuff you hear, you may want to say, but that's wrong. Hear their heart. Hear their hurt. Hear their perspective. Hear where they're coming from. Hear the voice of God on the matter. Then respond in grace and kindness and love. So then James ends where he started this section. He says, those who consider themselves Religious, those who say I have an authentic faith, a sincere, genuine spirituality, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, are fooling themselves, they deceive themselves, you're full of it. Because you're not, it's not authentic, it's not real, it's not genuine, it's not sincere. If you don't keep control over your tweets, your social media responses, your texts, your comments, you go around trolling people, vilifying them, pointing the finger. if you can't be kind to someone, it's not genuine. It's not sincere. It's not authentic. You're only fooling yourself because everyone around you sees the visceral anger with which you respond, and they say, "If that's God, I don't want anything to do with it." And you know what we say? And this is to the shame of the church. I said it earlier, I'll say it again, but it's righteous anger. It's righteous. Leave the righteous anger to God because James said, when we practice anger, it will not, it will not, it will not, it will not produce the righteousness of God. So leave the anger to God. You may feel anger. I understand that that's a human emotion feel angry. Another part of the Bible says feel angry, but don't sin. Don't practice anger. Don't lash out. You're deceiving yourself, and your religion, your faith, your spirituality is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, as sincere, as genuine, as authentic is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. If you want authentic faith, he says one thing to do is keep yourself from being polluted. Do that inner work because the inner work is what changes the outer life. Beyond that, he says, care for the orphans and the widows. In other words, what James is saying is genuine spirituality is lived out by your words and through your actions. You're not keeping a rain on your tongue, your words, your words, is it genuine? If your actions don't show what you say you believe, it's not genuine. Genuine spirituality means that your words and your actions reflect God. You gotta keep a rein on your tongue, be kind to people, loved people wherever they are in their point of need, the lost, the hurting, the confused, the wounded, the misguided, those who are scared, those who are marginalized, those who have no hope and no help, the widows and the orphans of this world, that you say, I'm gonna meet you at your place of deepest need, wherever that may be, wherever I may find it, regardless of how they live, regardless of what they believe, Regardless of the lifestyle they embrace, regardless of the clothes that they wear. Because that is genuine faith. That is sincere, authentic spirituality. So let me end with this genuine spirituality. Is when your inner world is so transformed by the living God, His Word taking root in every fiber of your being. When your inner world is so transformed by the living God that your outer world becomes transformative. It's not about, I wanna do a bunch of good out there, but inside I'm full of death. And it's not about saying, I filled myself with the Word of God, but your life isn't making an impact. Remember, if you're living a blessed life, God has blessed you so that you can use that to serve others, to minister to others, to give to others, to be generous to others. So when you want to say, do I have genuine spirituality? Do an inventory. Who am I listening to? What am I listening to? Am I quick to listen or quick to speak? Am I listening to them, to their heart, to their needs, to their concerns, to their perceptions, to their perspective, to their condition? Or am I already forming my answer? And as I'm listening to them, am I listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit so that when I speak, and I'll be very slow to speak, when I speak, I'm not speaking on my own. I'm speaking what God would have them speak. Because if God loves them, and he does, if God has a plan for them, and he does, if God wants to use you to impact them, and he does, then the words you speak need to be God's words, not yours. So be quick to listen, slow to speak, so that what you speak will be impactful and be so, so very slow to become angry. That is authentic faith. That is genuine spirituality. That is what it means to live for God, to follow God, to make an impact for him. That's the kind of life that God says, that is what I'm pleased with. So I'm gonna ask you right now, stand to your feet. I don't know how many toes I stepped on. I know this, putting this sermon together, I stepped on all of mine times. But don't you love God's word? Because he loves you so much, he doesn't leave you alone. He says, I want you to grow. I want you to change. I want you to mature. I want to work some things out inside of you so that your outer world can be as impactful as it's meant to be. So that who you say you are is who you actually are. That there's a consistency in your life. But it starts by saying, God, what do I need to change in here? And by the way, God, I know I can't even do it on my own. I need you who gives every good and perfect gift to come down and change me. So right where you are, if you close your eyes, bow your heads, if you would say, I need that transformative work of God in my life. I need to do some work. I need to pull some weeds. I need to remove some things. I need to uh, unsubscribe from some YouTube videos and from some bloggers and from some influencers and from some talk show uh, people and from some... uh, internet sites and websites and books and all those things, because all it does is make me angry. It stokes the fire. It's all the conservative Christians who are the problem. It's all the liberal non-believers that are the problem. Shame, shame. God, change us. God, change me. So just ask them. what do I need to change? What are those things that are morally filthy and have evil intent that I am taking in. It's so prevalent. I'm taking it in. I'm taking it into my inner self. And it's choking out the life of the word of God inside of me. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. Give me that good and perfect gift that only comes from you so that I can be changed. I can be transformed. And as a result of changing my inner life, God, would my outer life be more consistent? That I'd be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, keeping a tight rein on my tongue and walking in the blessing that you pour into my life to care for the least, the hurting, the confused, the widows, the orphans, the single moms, the single dads, the homeless, those that find themselves in a crisis. God, help me, help me, help me. That's you, right where you are. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand and say, That's me. I need, I need, I need that, I want that, I want more of that. I want to go deeper with God. I want those changes to happen. God, every hand that's raised, if you're joining us online, you could click the button. It says, I need to, I need to do an inner work. I need God to do an inner work. Just click that button in the chat. God, for every hand that's raised, every person that pushed that button today, tomorrow, the days and weeks to come, God, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would move. Your Holy Spirit would move. Your Holy Spirit would move. God, we can't change this on our own. We can remove some things by your grace. We can change some things by your grace. But God, we can't change ourselves. But your Spirit alive in us can change us. Help us to stop justifying, rationalizing our anger. Ask the hard questions. Why? Why? This anger here. Change us, God. Heal us and we'll be healed. Change us and we'll be changed. And we're gonna continue to worship God. I wanna invite you, if you would like prayer about the stuff we talked about today or anything else, we're gonna have prayer teams up here. We would love to pray with you. We would love to pray for you. And I'm just gonna be over there praying myself. And if God gives me a word for someone, if God gives me a, a thought on how he wants to move. I'll come up and share that. Just have a feeling that his spirit's here and he wants to move in some powerful ways. So just invite you during this time, come forward for prayer. You just want to kneel at the altar, that's fine. Just allow God to move. God moving inside of you, the move of the living God inside of you, in your inner world, transforming your inner life is what will make your outer life transformative. Let's worship God together.